What do you picture when you hear of a guard or someone guarding something? We've all seen pictures of guards, right? There's guard at the tomb of the unknown soldier. I think of the, what do they call the guards at the queen's palace? The guys with the big fluffy hats. Uh, what are they called? Just the guards? Queen's guard? Royal guards? I have a story of a guard. This is what is in my mind as a guard. I shared last week about our trip to Guatemala uh, when I was an early youth pastor in Chicago. We took a mixed group of adults and youth. It was an awesome journey, awesome trip. Um, love short-term mission trips, highly promote them and excited about them. But we went to Guatemala. There's so many stories in this trip. <laughs> but we, we got to the airport and, and we're tired. It's been a long day of travel. It's hard. We had, I think it was 16 people and it's just a lot to try to get everybody in one direction through several different airports. We get to Guatemala, and before you can exit the secure area and, and exit the airport, there was an armed guard there with a very serious... Now I'm, not a, I'm not a gun person, but I mean, it looked like a big rifle, machine gun, something. This is not your normal gun that you would see somebody carry. This was serious, and he's in full camo. This is a soldier. And I'm looking at this guy going, oh boy. And in front of him, there's a button. And behind him, there are two lights, one red and one green. And every person before they exit that airport had to hit that button. And when you hit that button, supposedly at random, that light would turn either red or green. And if it was green, you could exit. If it was red, they shot you. No, I don't think... (laughs) (laughs) That is kind of what crossed our mind. I think one of the youth thought that. But no, if, if it went red, they would take you into a separate room and then shoot you. No, they would take you in, and do a search and make sure that, you know, you weren't carrying something you weren't supposed to. This was very intimidating. I, I cannot tell you how intimidating it was to go up and push that button and feel like you were rolling dice for, you know, the chance of your life. And uh, I went up and I pushed it and I got green. I think some, I think one of our youth, didn't, didn't Eugene get red? If it was, it was probably, there's always that one in every group that it's like, yeah, of course it would be him. But we got through. But that's what I think of. Now, now, why? Why is there this guard there? Well, I mean, to some degree, they're guarding the country. They're guarding the airport. They're, they're guarding the laws to make sure people aren't bringing something in illegally. Another thing I think of when I think of a guard, I've shared stories. I used to be a lifeguard. Lifeguards guard people's lives at the beach or at the pool. And they also guard their experience. They want them to have a good time. Some of the rules are there for safety. Some of them are just there to make sure everybody can have fun safely at the beach or at the pool. I think we understand the need for guards. We understand that there are things that are valuable or important that need to be protected. We understand that there are those sometimes that want to break those rules or take the thing that's important, damage it, eliminate, hurt someone. Sometimes there's just threats, a fire, a a flood, or something that can go wrong, and those things need to be guarded against. You have people that watch for forest fires and things that could possibly go wrong. So we guard things that are valuable and important and meaningful enough to deserve protection. But sometimes we miss some things. Sometimes we don't guard some things that we should guard. Sometimes the threat is not as obvious. 
Sometimes the value of the thing that we should be guarding is not obvious to us. In Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. And he knows a couple of things. He knows with with pretty high degree of certainty, he is going to be arrested in Jerusalem. He knows that when he's arrested, he will be put on trial and more than likely lose his life. And so he's on this journey back to Jerusalem, and along the way, he stops at a coastal city, and the leaders of a church, the church in Ephesus, the elders of that church come out to meet with Paul. And Paul is giving some parting words to these people, and he actually tells them, none of you are going to see me again. This is the last time I'm going to talk to you, the last time I'm going to see you. And I think it's very interesting what he challenges them with in Acts chapter 20. Let me put it up on the screen here. He tells them about his ministry. He tells them about his mission. He tells them none of them are going to see him again. And then he says this. This is the instruction he gives to them. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. He tells them, be on your guard. Watch out. There is something that needs to be protected and there is a threat that might come against it. And these leaders in the church, he says, you are the guards. So be careful here. Now, just to bring you up to date, we're, we're winding down our focal point ser- sermon series on the entire scripture, all of the Bible. We started in Genesis. We're working our way to Revelation. And we've gone through this idea in the Old Testament looking at how does the Old Testament point forward to Jesus? Then we've looked at now that Jesus has come and he died on the cross to save us from our sins and he's risen from the dead, promising eternal life to all who believe, how are we supposed to live that truth out? How do we live in light of that? And we've looked at how all the New Testament points back to the cross. Jesus is the focal point of all of Scripture. It's one story with one main point. Everything points to Jesus. And I've got to tell you, I've, I've kind of hit a snag in the sermon series because we're going now through the epistles. The epistles are the letters of the New Testament. Um, the bulk of the New Testament is made up of these letters. And there are many different themes, many different topics. And my struggle is what to include and what not to include. And I have planned this sermon and canceled it three times already. Uh, and, and I've decided, it, it, because part of me was like, ah, it's not that big a deal. I think we can move on. They've had enough. They've had enough. And I just keep coming back to it. There is so much in the New Testament warning the church to be on their guard that I can't skip it. And so, so we're going to do this today. And then, um, what's today? 12th? Today's the 5th. It's going great. 
Yeah, actually, okay, this works. Um, next week, we're going to start Revelation. This is not in my notes in case you can't tell. Um, next week, we're going to start the book of Revelation. And then the week after that, we have a missionary preaching. Uh, Mark Borsuk is going to be here. He's a missionary to China. So we're really excited about that. And then the week after that, we will conclude the sermon series. This gets a little confusing. Uh, but we will do the end of Revelation. We'll conclude. The week after that, Chris is preaching on whatever he wants. And, uh, and then I think it's Easter. So that's going to be great. You didn't need to know all that, but there you go. There it is. Mark your calendars. The point is, before we left the epistles, I felt like we, we need to look at this. There's a group of epistles or letters in the New Testament that are known as the pastoral epistles. Uh, First and Second Timothy, Titus, um, those are the big ones. And this is such a major topic in those letters. When Paul writes to these church leaders, he says, this is what you need to know. Guard the church. Guard the teaching. Guard the doctrine. And so, today, I want to look at what the New Testament letters say about guarding the church. And, and I want to be careful here, and this is where I struggled with this, because a lot of this is about church leadership, and I know right away some of you are like, oh, church leadership, I'm not a leader, I don't want to be a leader, I'm glad other people are the leaders, let them deal with it. Here's the point. This applies to each and every one of us, Okay. We can't just say, oh, that's for the leaders to do. I'm off the hook. No, guarding the church is the responsibility of every single believer. Okay, so let's walk through this. And the first question we have to answer is why? Why guard the church? Who cares? So what? Why make a big deal of this? And the most important and really the only answer we need is that scripture says so. Scripture says this over and over again. Paul says this in Ephesians. He talks about how they need to watch out. So he commands this to them. In another place, in 2 Timothy 1, 13 and 14, Paul says to Timothy, who, by the way, Paul sends to Ephesus, the same place that he uh, talks to these leaders. That's where they're from. They were still having problems later on. He sends Timothy and he commands him, what you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus, guard the good deposit, or watch over, or keep, guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you, guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. He says, Timothy, pay attention, watch this closely, very carefully, don't miss it, because this is what the church in Ephesus needed. They were experiencing some of the very things Paul had warned them about. Some outside teachers had come in and were teaching things contrary to the gospel. Paul sends Timothy, a relatively young guy, and he says, Timothy, you need to get that church in order. You're going to do this by guarding the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, our answer to this question, why guard the church, tells us a lot about what we think the church is. Or the answer to the question, how should we guard the church, tells us a lot about what we think the church is. If the church, what we do here when we gather, if it's just a social club, a time to gather people together, to encourage them, have a good time, a good experience, have fun together, everybody just come on in and we just want to have a great time together. If that's all the church is, then what we are guarding is an experience. We should guard whether or not people have a good time. And we're going to make decisions based on that. 
If we see the church primarily as a tool for social good or social impact in the world, then what we're going to guard is is us being able to be effective at getting involved in the world. And we will make decisions based on what is effective in our interactions with the world. Which means we might let go of some things that are offensive because it allow us to interact with the world more freely. That's why this question is important. Because it, it gets to what we hold up as most important in the church. Because if the church is a group of people saved by Jesus Christ who are on a mission to take the news of this salvation into the world of how others can be saved by Jesus Christ, then what needs to be guarded? Well, the message needs to be guarded. Because if our mission is to take a message, we better make sure we haven't changed that message. The other thing that needs to be guarded is how we teach this and preach it and live it out, how we live on mission, so that we make sure that what we're showing the world is the gospel of Jesus Christ and not our own preferences or biases. So it's important to answer this question, why should we guard the church? There's one clarification, kind of a footnote I need to make before we go further. The ultimate success of the mission of the church in history does not rest on our ability to guard the church, but on Christ's power at work in the church. Let me say that again. The ultimate success of the mission of the church in history does not rest on our ability to guard the church, but on Christ's power at work in the church. We're going to look at the New Testament commands to guard the church, but I don't want you to leave this place thinking, oh my goodness, if we mess this up, then all of the gospel is going to be lost and the church is going to fail in history. That is not true. When I was a youth pastor, I would subscribe to some youth ministry magazines and I remember one that came across and there was a big full page ad and in it in bold font, bold t- I don't remember what they were selling. I think it was a conference or something, but it said right there, The church is one generation away from disappearing. And I took that magazine and I folded up and I threw it in the garbage and I canceled my subscription. Because that is a lie. And I get the the desire, especially as a youth pastor, I get it that we want to hold up how important ministry is. But the Bible says very clearly, Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Jude one twenty four and 25, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you from uh, before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ, our Lord, before all ages, now and forever. Amen. Ephesians 3.20 and 21, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory and the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, sovereign Lord of all the universe, is not sitting up in heaven wringing his hands going, oh, I hope the church gets this right or my whole plan falls apart. His plan depends on his power. But we do have a role to play. He invites us to be involved in this. 
not because the church is something feeble that's on the brink of being lost or destroyed, but because Jesus himself is guarding the church because it's that valuable to him, and he's inviting us to be involved in that. It's a completely different perspective. So let's look at how we do this. How do we guard the church? And the number one way emphasized throughout the New Testament and all of Scripture in how we guard the church is that it is the Word of God that guards the church. It's so easy to get into a battle of preferences in church. Opinions, traditions, different passions, different strengths, different weaknesses. People come in with a great idea and it's beautiful and it's loving and they say the whole church needs to be about this and somebody else has a different idea. And it might be beautiful and loving and they say the whole church needs to be about this and then there's strife and there's conflict because they have different opinions. Some people say, well, we're here to uphold the traditions. This is the way church was when I was a kid. We have to keep doing that. Others say, hey, I'm worshiping God with these new songs. And they're biblical and they're deep and and I want to worship him that way. And these two people look at each other and they hate each other because they're coming from different perspectives. The question is, are we going to look to the word to hold the church together? Are we going to look to our own ideas, opinions, and preferences? We must guard the church through the word of God. 2 Timothy 3.14-17. 2 Timothy 3.16 is one of these verses you should memorize. It's not hard. I should say it's not hard. It's a little hard. But it's so good to memorize. The context here again is Paul writing to Timothy. Timothy's in Ephesus where Paul had warned the leaders of the Ephesian church, be careful, be on your guard. He sends Timothy to guard the church, raise up new leaders. The church is in danger of getting off track, and Paul consistently warns Timothy to watch out. And and in many ways, this is at the heart of why I felt this sermon needed to be preached as part of this, is because it's such a major theme in Paul's letters to Timothy. And in 2 Timothy Timothy 3.14 and 15, he says, But as for you, Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ. Says Timothy, think of where it started. You didn't come to know Jesus through some social trends, through someone's opinions or traditions. He said, you came to know Jesus through the Word of God. And he tells him, keep your focus there. Keep on learning. Keep on going. And then he says this, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. says, Timothy, guard the church. And then he says, this is how you're going to guard the church by understanding that the word of God, all scripture, is God-breathed. Scripture is the truth of God. His word to us. Doctrine, truths based on the word of God. Theological statements about who God is, what he's done, who we are, what Christ has done for us. Doctrine, truth from the word of God, matters. There is or there are way too many Christians today 
that are saying, I don't care about theology. I don't care about doctrine. I just want to come and have a good experience. That experience must be founded on, based on the truth of the word of God. It's the only way we can begin to guard the church. This is why as a church, we have a statement of faith right into our constitution. The legal defining document of our church before the state and the country contains in it, we believe. And it lists what we believe about the Bible, about the Trinity, about Jesus Christ and salvation through him alone. It lists all the important things of what we believe. It's why we require people coming to join the church as members, and we'll talk about that later. We require them to read that and say, yes, I agree to this. Because the truth of the word of God matters. We believe that all scripture has authority from God. So this is the first way we guard the church, by by pointing to, watching, looking at, remembering, studying, going deeper into the word of God. The second way we have to guard the church is through godly leadership. And again, don't check out. Okay, this applies to all of us. Hang in there. Here at Orchard, though, we have elders. Elders at Orchard are the leaders of the church, the spiritual overarching leaders of the church. We have three elders. I am one of them. This is not the the Father Abraham song. I'm one of the elders. Uh, Chris just joined us a couple weeks ago, and Steve Galata's back there. So right now it's the three of us. We're looking at adding a couple more. The Bible talks about elders over and over and over again. And one of the things Paul charged Timothy to do was to raise up other godly, uh, godly leaders that would guard the church. Second Timothy 2.2, he said, And the things you have heard me say, said, Timothy, remember what I taught you? He says, Say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. This is the core responsibility of all leadership in local churches is to pass on the truth of the word of God over and over and over again. There's also other leaders in the church. We have deacons that are responsible for various ministries. We have people that that oversee coffee or snow plowing or whatever it is. But every single leader in the church is to be focused on Jesus Christ, faithful to the word of God. There is no separation in leadership in the church between kind of the physical or the secular and the spiritual. All leadership is spiritual, pointing to Jesus Christ. We said first that the way to guard the church is through God's word. This is why the highest role, the most important role of the highest level of leadership in the local church, elders, is preaching and teaching the word of God. Elders lead by feeding people the word of God. We see this here in 2 Timothy 2.2. Paul says to appoint elders who are able to teach in Titus 1.9. He says, uh, talking again about qualifications of elders, says he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Leaders in the local church must have a solid grasp on the truth of Scripture. And they must know it 
They must be impacted by it. They must allow the truth of Scripture to influence everything they do and say. An elder then must apply this truth to everything in the church to keep the church on track with the word of God. One of the ways elders do this is by being examples and by teaching, saying, hey, this is the way of Christ. Follow this way. That's kind of the positive leadership. But here, to Titus, Paul also says, and refute those who oppose it. A necessary role for elders and spiritual leaders is to say no. No, we're not doing that. No, we're not going in that direction. People love when leaders say yes to them. Can I do this? Yes. Or we want to do this? Yes. We're going to start doing this? Yes. People don't like when leaders say no. But I need you to hear, it is an absolutely essential part of being a leader. There are times we have to say no. Based on the word of God, no, we're not going in that direction. No, we're not going to allow that program to come in. We take these things serious. Another thing that leaders do, and this is hard and I want to move through it quickly, but leaders promote and guard a gospel culture. One of the wonderful things that that the elders of the church that we get to do is we meet with people who would like to become members. And we ask them, like, what drew you to Orchard? Or why do you want to join? And it is such an encouraging time. And and I want to brag on you guys. And I want you to hear this. Because over and over again, those people say, the moment I walk through the doors, and sometimes they get specific about somebody that came up and greeted them. But over and over again, they say, the moment I entered the building, I knew I was loved and welcomed. People were so generous and gracious and just came up to us, inviting us out for dinner, getting to know us, asking about our kids. To me, that is a culture that is shaped by the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Son of God who left the throne room of heaven and came here and lived among us sinners and died in our place and rose from the dead, that shapes a group of people that say we believe that and we're going to demonstrate that love to everyone we can. It's a gospel culture in the church. It's also a culture that talks about, proclaims, repeats the gospel. A culture that is saturated by scripture. All leaders at all levels of ministry should ask themselves, What kind of culture am I promoting in this thing I have leadership over? Is it a culture of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Godly leaders are absolutely crucial in guarding the church. But there is one more way. Maturing members guard the church. We've talked numerous times throughout this series about the importance of discipleship. The Bible does not have a picture of someone who gets a ticket to heaven because they've received Jesus Christ as their Savior, and they put that on a shelf until one day they cash that in and they go to heaven. The picture of the Bible is someone who receives Jesus and becomes a follower, a learner, a disciple, who is constantly growing in their relationship with Jesus Christ. So one way to guard the church is to make sure that we are disciples who are growing. This is the great commission that we've looked at. Go and make disciples. Paul's prayer in Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2 talks about going deeper in your faith, learning more. The core of our church mission statement, do you know it? Make and become fully devoted followers of Christ. 
It doesn't say go and make people that pray to prayer and check the box. It says make fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Growing Christians grow in their knowledge and application of the word of God. And the more mature you guys are, the more guarded we are as a church against anything that will come in and pull us off track. If the role of church leaders is to guard the church by preaching and teaching the word of God, then a key role of all church members is to learn and to grow. And the beautiful thing about being a leader in the church is we're right there with you. We are growing along with you even as we're teaching. This is why we're teaching this sermon series. It's why we have classes that dig into scripture, studying books of the Bible or biblical topics, why we have midweek Bible studies. We want you to grow in your knowledge and understanding of scripture. If you are not reading the Bible on your own throughout the week, I encourage you, implore you, and challenge you. We need you to grow in your understanding of scripture as a key part of guarding this church because it is precious and important. This is the reason we practice church membership here at Orchard. Those that come and say yes to our statement of faith, our doctrine, our our practices, and, and become part of the church, go through the process of being a member, they have authority. They are part of guarding the doctrine and the teaching of this church. They approve leaders, which is an important part of guarding the church. The members that are gathered together, we share a common commitment saying, yes, we believe these things and we will live this out here. We have a membership covenant that goes through these things. This is all part of us guarding the church. You have a role in guarding the church of Orchard Community Church. If you're not a member of Orchard, I would encourage you to seek that out. We, we have membership classes from time to time. That's one way to do it. If nothing's on the schedule and, and you would like to become a member, talk to me. Call Kathy in the church office. We'll set up a meeting with you. We would love to talk to you more about what that means. I want to tell you one more experience about, that I had with a guard, also in Latin America. This was in El Salvador. My wife and I, went to visit her sister. We actually weren't married yet. And uh, her sister Rita was a missionary in El Salvador teaching. And we went for spring break over college. And Becky stayed with her sister and I stayed with a local family. A local family that only one of them really spoke English very well. I don't know Spanish whatsoever. And I don't know what happened, but we were out late for some reason touring around. I don't know what it was, but I got back late and I knocked on the door of my host home and nobody answered. And I pounded and nobody answered. I pounded and pounded and called out and nobody answered. Here I was in the middle of a neighborhood in El Salvador in the middle of the night and I'm locked out of the house. I stood there and I waited and I thought and I prayed and I didn't know what to do. About an hour went by. I think by this point it was like one o'clock in the morning. And I noticed there were some boards lying around. Now, I was staying in what was kind of the, the guest quarters or the servants quarters. It was connected to the house with a hallway, but the hallway was open on top, had no roof. And I thought, if I could prop that board up against that wall... I could get on top of the wall, drop down the other side. I knew my room was unlocked. 
I could get into the room. I would be okay. This actually worked better than I could have imagined. I shimmied up the board. I got one foot on it, propped myself up, and I'm straddling the top of the wall when what do I see but the neighborhood security guard with a shotgun who spoke no English and I spoke no Spanish. And I looked at him and he looked at me and I made this motion and I went, and I'm like, I hope he understands what that is. I'm like, I'm going up and over. And he just laughed and nodded. I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep going. And one of two things is going to happen. He's going to shoot me or I'm going to get some sleep. I dropped down the other side and I was in. I thought about that sense. I really appreciate that guy showing me grace. I do. But he wasn't really a good security guard, was he? He should have stopped me. At the very least, he should have made sure to wake up the family and say, hey, do you know this guy? What's going on? He's trying to break into your house. He probably should have done something. And he didn't. We need to be careful. Sometimes under the guise of grace, we do the same thing in the church. We need to be careful that we don't allow people to come in other ways, with other ideas, not central to the core of what the gospel of Jesus Christ is all about. We must understand how important and valuable the church of Jesus Christ is. And all of us must work together to guard the church. We need the word of God. We need godly leadership and we need godly committed members who are committed to the word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. We're not left to wonder about what's most important for us, what we're supposed to be focused on. It's all right there. And God, sometimes we'll disagree over what it means or how to apply it. And in those moments, I pray that we can show grace and mercy and work through those things. But God, no matter what, may we guard the church by keeping the gospel first and foremost, no matter what. And I pray, as as we've seen, I pray that that would be what continues to draw people to Orchard. That they want that in their lives. They want a church that is focusing there. And as we do that, may it motivate us to also go out into this world, not being afraid that the church is going to be overcome, but in the security of knowing you are in charge. We are saved by you. Your word is powerful to change lives. The gospel is powerful to save lives. May we be willing to go out and talk to others about Jesus Christ. And all the while, may we be diligent about what is taught, what is supported and encouraged and demonstrated, that we might guard the church according to your word and your truth. In your name we pray. Amen.